What up, what up? Welcome to Tuesdays with Nick and Cole. It is February 18th. Episode 24, Kobe Bryant episode, shout out. Uh, starting with our Laura Sports Rundown, going into our wing review, doing our coach's corner, adding a section here of Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, we are doing Take Back Tuesday again, doing What Movies Has Trent Not Seen, and then finishing off with Questions from the Sports Rundown. Unfortunately, our men's volleyball team split on the weekend. Um, they fell 0-3 against Benedictine, who is ranked in the top 25 in the country. Uh, they did sweep Greenville 3-0, and they've got a big match this Friday against number 8 in the country, Carthage. Now, our men's and women's track and field teams both stay hot. Number 7 women's track and field team winning five events and taking multiple top three finishes at Platteville. Number four men's track and field team celebrated multiple top three finishes and personal record marks. And then the team of the week highlighted is going to be that men's wrestling team. Uh, they were number three in the country. They took on number one, Wartburg. Um, and you know what? They cut the rope. They, uh, they beat number one in the country at Wartburg, 19-17. Uh, uh, where there were a couple big matches in that, um, Trent Hanselman and myself went to uh, that match, and I mean, it was electric. It was honestly fun to be there, um, experience something like that. What are your thoughts? It's just, and I, I've been thinking this over the past few days, just kind of like, as this moment kind of is like so surreal and like kind of realizing what just happened, think about like Warburg's reign, like that might be the greatest run in like all of sports. So it's actually we were talking about this off air, Cole and I, and uh, Kenyan swimming actually won thirty one consecutive national titles. Wow, that's just the most in any sport. Wow, and I also have to mention North Central Streak. They currently have forty six consecutive CCIW men's cross country titles. Oh my goodness. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Nonetheless, though, um, back to what our like men's wrestling team was able to do. Um, T.J. Miller, who was alumni of Wartburg, was able to go back into Wartburg. It was actually the first time they had lost in that gym. Um, wow. So, I mean, dude, it was just awesome um, to see this fan support that the wrestling team had gotten to. Um, a couple fan buses were able to go, and honestly... I would say it was about 60-40 yeah. uh, Warburg, but yeah. I mean, to have like 40% of those stands filled oh, yeah. was awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was absolutely like electric experience. I mean, and I mean, I've worked for wrestling like with when I worked back in athletic communications as a student. I mean, I've been worked with them since the past four years. And it's like, it's funny because like two years ago, we thought like, oh, we could go in and beat Warburg, but like we got blanked. Really? We got shut out. And, mm. like, we thought we had a chance. Right. But, like, just to see this and now, like, actually, like, see it happen, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. So, they got a weekend off, and then they have regionals in two weekends. So, we'll see. Exciting we'll see. part of the season. Yeah. All right, Nick, how did uh, swimming go this weekend? So, we had our conference championship meet this past weekend, and it was Wednesday through Saturday. So, it was a very long meet. There's prelims finals on all of those days. 
Um, but we did really well. I mean, for a team that's pretty small right now, we can't compete with the larger teams as far as team total scores go. But individually, we did really well, had a lot of lifetime best times. We had nine new top five swims in school history, two new team records, which makes four total on the year. So success, successful season for for the bodies that we had. And next year when we bring in a few more bodies and return a lot of the swimmers, it's going to be a different year and it'll be a lot of fun. That's good. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. All right, that brings us to our next section, which is our wing review, which I was not a part of this time <laughs> because I was gone. Um, but we have one from outside of town. Good old Correct. Denver, yeah, Iowa. Is, uh, it was on our when we went to Warburg. It was on our trip to Warburg. Okay. And we couldn't, for the life of us, eat something at, in Waverly, so we did it just outside <laughs> of Waverly. <laughs> what do you mean? So oh, it was I in see. Denver, yeah, Iowa, yeah, which is like ten minutes yep. from Waverly. Yeah. Um, these were very, probably the most unique wings we've had. Really? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, dude, their sauces that like the name of their sauces were pretty wild. Like the like, one we I had was go bacon back buffalo. <laughs> what? Yeah. And it, dude, we've had some unique wings. All right. So let's get the scores the and then let's dive in. All right. The scores here, it's called Alley Cats in Denver, Iowa. Cole had an 8.2. Myself had a 7.4. O'Brien Nugent had an 8.8. And then we had two alumnus join us. Uh, John O'Brien had a 7.9, and Johnny Rummelhart had an 8.15, with an average of 8.09, and it uh, bumps into the top five. That's at the number four spot, dude. I find it hard to believe, dude. I will tell you what, Nick. <laughs> like, if you were to go with the flavor, like, let's. I'm going to start with the flavor by itself. Okay. So, if you were to take, it was bacon buffalo. And it's like, dude, it was like, the bacon was like smoked in to like the wing, yeah. and then it had the buffalo flavor. Hmm. So like it had the bacon with the buffalo, and I mean, dude, it, I mean, I didn't have it with ranch, so like, <laughs> all right, let man, me ask you, it would been great. I probably flavor wise, I probably would put it in like the third spot. I wasn't in love with the like. It was a very untraditional style of wing. I honestly felt like I was eating a baby back rib. Like it was yeah, so it did kind of look like a baby back rib. Okay. And, which I'm surprised that this factored in as much for you, Beef. The meat falling off the bone wasn't the best, and this is the first time that I've seen him I, kind of complain about, yeah. like, the ah, meat. Okay. The quality of the chicken, like, when you got the first bite was good, but, like, it didn't honestly, like, fall off the bone. Yeah. All right, so, but you still gave it in the eights? Yeah, I mean, dude, the sauce, I the mean, The flavor dude, was, I mean, it was, it was really good. incredible. It was probably my third favorite. Here's way, the most important like question, though. Did you do this review after L- Loris won? No, it was the next day. It was the yeah, next so day. Yeah, yes. the next so, day. Yes. Yeah. So you guys were on a high. In, I mean, in I mean yeah. So eh, that goes back to our debate before <laughs> where it's like <laughs> true, the circumstances true. may have upped it. Had we, got, had we lost? Personally, I probably wouldn't. I don't know if I would put it in my top five. It would be right it around would be, that top dude, five spot. It would. I Take think, out the dude. averages. Averages. Like I think it would probably be in that five or six, maybe even four spot. Wow. Okay. But and I do, I don't even think that's the best flavor that they had. That's what I know. <laughs> she said it was the best. The yeah. waitress said it was the best. Okay. But they also had like a sweet chili style that I yeah. really wish we tried. I agree, dude. They had some flavors. All right. Well, if we Man. if we ever, if go, we ever back, go back, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll join in on that. Yeah. But it was they were pretty good. They were what, different. What did, what did Johnny give it? He uh, Johnny gave it eight point one five. First time I think we've ever second had a time two second decimal time. points. Right, oh, and then he right. gave it a rookie score when we went to Copper Kettle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> of that's a true. flat. He's learning. He's learning. 
That's funny. But, I like how whenever we bring in outsiders to the review, they always feel like so put on the spot. <laughs> They're like, I, I don't know if I can do it. Like, just give a score. <laughs> yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah. But um, I mean, yeah, they were overall pretty good. They were pretty good. All right. All right. That brings us to Coach's Corner. So uh, I'll go ahead and start us out. We're going back to that short game. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we're we're, we're going to practice uh, breathing. And this sounds very elementary. And if you have swam your whole life, this is something you probably did way back in like swim lessons. Um, but if you're someone like Trent that just struggles in <laughs> all aspects of swimming, then this is something that actually can help you because a lot of people do struggle with learning how to breathe while swimming. Um, so what you can do is just go to the shallow end of a pool. Um, if it's like three or four feet, that's perfect. Just go ahead and place your hands on the gutter and then start kicking so that you're in like a floating position. Um, go ahead and put your head in the water. Just start by that. Okay. And then what you need to practice doing is blowing all of your air out, turning your head and then breathing the air in and then going back, breathing it out. So you're always breathing out when your head's in the water and then breathing in when your head's out of the water and being able to time that so that it's almost like a normal pattern of breathing, oh. if that makes sense. Because that's what you want to do when you're swimming. You want to be able to just time it so that's like you're almost regularly breathing. See, that I didn't know that. So what's your what's your least busy time during the free hours that I don't look like a total idiot that I can be there by myself <laughs> doing this drill? Um, we'll, we'll find a time. I'll have you both come out. It'll be great. Um, and then once you get that down, you can start like taking one stroke at a time. Leave one hand at the wall. Practice breathing. Um, practicing that same thing. And then eventually adding that to your full stroke. Um will end up helping you be able to breathe and swim this is something we typically do with like five to six year olds <laughs> but i was never in swim i never got swim lessons so yeah but no seriously i mean on a serious note this could help you if you do have a problem okay. with uh breathing while swimming. um question i don't know if it i don't, don't want to say professional swimmers but even like collegiate swimmers like do you always breathe out the same side like do you always turn your head to the left or like so do you always, that's a are very you good question. Supposed to do that, or are you not supposed to do that? What like what it's, it, that's actually a, a highly debated topic. Kay. So, um, if you're from the old school mindset, you a lot of coaches used to teach, oh, you want to make sure you breathe to both sides. Um, but for me, and like a lot of the new school swimming, uh, disagrees with that. So, you if you were to look at all of the elite level swimmers, um, like ninety percent will breathe to one side. Like I only ever okay. breathe to one side. Um, if you were to go watch uh, like a t well, anything in a 200 or up, mm -hmm. um, if you're doing a 50 or a 100, your breathing pattern is just totally different. So you, you won't even just you won't breathe that much in a 50 at the elite level. You're not breathing at all um, in a 100. You're taking a few breaths uh, per length. So that changes it. But once you get to a 200 and up, you do. I teach breathing to one side. But if you're someone that's swam their whole life and is taking both sides then i'm not going to have you change that just because okay. it's going to probably make you worse in the short term so um yeah breathe to one side but that's actually a really good question because i actually get asked that a lot by current swimmers because yeah. it's something that's kind of changing and then is it like when you're in those longer distance ones is it like you take a breath every three strokes or is it like kind of whenever your personal yeah, it would be it would be know. so if you're breathing to both sides, it would be every three. If you're breathing to one side, it's every other. Oh, okay. So that it's like you're breathing to that one side. I yeah. was always every other, and like I said, if I, ninety percent, even maybe higher, breathe to one side every other, really? and a two hundred or up. Yeah, hmm. yeah. You don't think it, and that's the thi and that's the thing is, 
at the elite level, you have to have an efficient breath. So much so that when you do breathe, it doesn't slow you down. That it's totally ingrained with your stroke. And if you have a good breath, it's not going to slow you down. Yeah. And the only reason I ask that is just because when I've gone to swimming events and took like taking photos, mm. like I notice like some people are turning like their head only to one side and I have to catch them when they're going on. They're right, swimming to the right, right or left. Yep, and it's yep. like, I don't know. That's the only thing. That's why I've noticed. That's why I asked. Yeah. That's a good question. All right. Mine. I'm going to dice it up a little bit. We actually need two chopsticks and a 12 to 15 foot uh, long yarn. I don't I guess. String. There you go. Yarn, string, whatever. Uh, something to kind of help you visualize. So um, I actually tagged uh, this drill to Tuesdays with Nick and Cole on Instagram. Um, so you can go there and kind of take a look at it visually. Um, so you're going to, to help with that alignment and actually visualizing a putt. So every single putt that you hit should be a straight putt. So when you have like a, I don't know, let's say you got a 10-footer that breaks about three inches left to right. So you want to take this... Um, ball or this like string place it about a foot to two feet behind your ball and then place it like if you're going to hit a straight putt that's going to go about a foot past the hole you want to be able to hit it straight down and then as it dies down it's going to die down into the hole but it's actually going to help you visualize your putt a little bit better throughout the entire stroke and it also helps you as you are putting your eyes are over the ball helping you take your putter straight back straight through mm. Wow, so it's it's like almost a better version of the yardstick drill. A little bit. The yardstick gives you a lot more immediate or like um, feedback because it's either falling off or falling. Like, right, you know, right. Yeah. Um, this it's going like all the way down. Um, this the yardstick focuses on just the first three feet. I see. Yeah. Um, and okay. this one's more of like the like visual, like more of like the whole putt. So like you f like I'm putting that yardstick. I'm hitting a straight putt to the end of that yardstick where it would die at the end, and then as it dies down, it's going into the hole. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. Okay. That's fair. That's good. I need One, to do some Not this time, but maybe next time. I need help. When I'm putting, I, like, sometimes I can't always bring it straight back and straight forward. I need to come up with a drill. For I that. got one. I'm, well, don't <laughs> say it now. Next, next week. Gotcha. Okay. Trent's just going to become a – slowly but surely he's going to become a good swimmer <laughs> and a good golfer. That's the goal. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our new segment, which is about Guinness Book of World Records. So we're going to go ahead and choose. We're each going to choose a Guinness record that we think, at least this week, we're going to choose ones that we think we could beat. Is that, yeah. is that what we're or, doing? Or, yeah, we'll choose a record and then say if we think we could beat it or not. All right. All right. I chose one, and that is eating the most saltine crackers in one minute. And the current record is 10. Um, here are the rules. Only one can be eaten at a time. You have to show your empty mouth before proceeding to the next cracker. And there's no drinking anything. No way, dude. Wow, that's tough. I, I, You know, the one, the one minute thing would get me. I feel like the speed wise would be tough. But I could definitely do 10 I if also, you were to give me like two minutes. Well, I that like and I also, th I wonder if there's like a pace that actually goes into it. Well, that we're like, talking about that. Yeah. We, well, I don't think you want to go too fast because then you dry your mouth out. That like if you might want to take your time a little bit and time it like almost perfectly. I thought of this. Do you have to chew the cracker? Like, can't you like break it in half and just try and swallow it whole? It's not going to feel good, but. <laughs> yeah, Kobayashi style. No, I know, but like I think about it. down like, the wrong pipe. I know, but 
when you chew, or like that's why one side of the mouth and then your other side of the mouth for or the like next cracker. No, no, no. You have to do one cracker at a time, and you have to right. share your empty mouth. Right, right. No, I know, but, but I meant like, like, so you crack it in half, or do you have to take? Oh, stick? I see. Crack it in half, and chew both sides. Oh no, no, no like no, no, one no. side. So you put half of it in crack one side, oh. and then the next one you crack it in half and you put it down the the right side. Either way, I'm gonna try this <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Within, uh, I'll do it this weekend. You know what else I've heard? Weekend. I don't know. It's not a Guinness Book of World Records, but like it's like goes along with those like saltine cracker challenges. Two pieces of bread in sixty seconds. Oh yeah, you that's kind of tough. You think no, it's I easy, but it's not that easy. I could do it. I've done it before. But <laughs> two pieces saying, of bread. Yeah. Well, wait. It depends. In sixty seconds. Yeah. If it's like a I whole wheat. No way. Whole grain slash whole wheat sure. would be a lot harder than yeah, like yeah, a white yeah. bread. Dude, you think it's easy. It is. All right, we're doing it this weekend. Okay. <laughs> Mark it down. Book it. Um, producer, you need to start like making a list of these <laughs> so that we can, we can attack and then talk I about know, it. I know, I know. All right, what do you guys got? Um, I'm going to go. Okay. All right, I got... This is a partner, a partner challenge. Fastest time to peel and eat an orange blindfolded. The world hmm. record is 17.15 seconds. So I'm interested because like, who determines if it's fully peeled? Because obviously well, you can't I mean. see. Like, <laughs> well, you have to eat it. You have to eat yeah, it. Yeah, but you can, in theory, you can eat an orange peel. You're not going to die. I guess that's what your partner's there for. They're like, and no, they're you're, both, you're both blindfolded. Oh, you're both blindfolded. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. It, from this, it sounds like they're both blindfolded. Which I don't know why it's a partner challenge in the first place. But we have to look up the rules because if, if you can both peel it and split the orange, that makes it so much faster. I think well, your partner's got to be there just to make sure that it's peeled properly. That would be but my I think guess. You're both blind. No, I mean I think the Guinness guy, I think someone's ma- just the Guinness really good at the Guinness Book of World Record guy, is probably going to be the one that says, "Okay, that's peeled." Uh, you yeah. Know. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But 17 seconds. I know peeling that's an orange fast. isn't the easiest. That's but fast. In a lot of, I mean, 17 seconds. I would say probably 11 of it was peeling. I mean, yeah. I mean, I bet the guy ate an orange in like two bites. So. Yeah. What you'd have to do is just practice peeling an orange for like oh, a yeah. month it, <laughs> and just get I really good at it. I think if you could it. practice that, honestly, yeah. I bet you that they did this until like they got the perfect peel. Yeah, and also like yeah. some oranges are easier to peel than others. You know, like you could have an easy peel. Yeah. Where oh, you yeah, like yeah. get one good tear and then you like peel the whole thing off. Yeah. Blindfold's yeah. tough though. Yeah, the blindfold finding the right feel like yeah no I you see dude this I know I know I know I know what I want to know is though how much like how much time do you think they could cut off if they weren't blindfolded because obviously not that much I don't think so that's what I'm saying (laughs) there's no real disadvantage I feel I mean there is a little bit but like make it sound but eating you could eat a orange blindfolded or not like (laughs) the time doesn't change there I agree right interesting. All right, well, you got to attempt that this weekend, too, then. <laughs> All right, mine is a shout-out to um, a buddy of mine that was in the traveling circus um, that I was in when I was younger um, back at Metcalf. Um, he's actually gone on now to be one of the most well-known jugglers. Um, he performs at, like, halftime shows and, like, the NBA. He was actually huh. at the NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, but the record that I think that I could possibly beat of his – so. You know that Swiss uh, ball that you, um, like you work out Swiss like yoga ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fifty three total head, uh, most headers with a Swiss ball in sixty seconds. Fifty three. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's tough. That's pretty good. You could do that. You think? I mean, well, because the the problem is there. You have to like 
make it not go that high right. to get the amount right. of <laughs> 53. It, I really hope there's a video of this that we can find somewhere. Yeah, we're we'll have to Google, Google it. that one. Yeah. That would be fun to watch. But that was your friend? Yeah. So, I mean, it was like one of the only... I've looked at all of his other ones, and like his other ones are like most or longest time juggling like five footballs. Longest time juggling samurai swords and like <laughs> like stuff that I know hmm. I couldn't do. Right. Like, but I, I can ju- I can juggle, yeah. but like five footballs, no, I couldn't do. Like, this is the only <laughs> one that like I could at least attempt. <laughs> so that's why I think I'd have to try to do the Swiss yoga ball. Um, I, I'm probably gonna look up some of his other ones. But uh, that one's the one that I saw right off the eye that I think I could attempt. Trent, do you own a Swiss yoga ball? No, but I think Nuge does in his office. He used to sit on it. Really? As an oh, office chair. Right. So maybe I know. We'll just go sit. There might have to be office. some strategy to this. Like, I might have to get the smallest Swiss yoga right, ball out there. Right. I but, also like, think is there regulations <clears> to that? I, I mean, I'll have to dive deeper into yeah. it. Well, here's my honest thought. So, what's the record? 50 something? 53 in 60 seconds. I'll give you like 25. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Can you one? Can you hold like? Can you bounce it for sixty seconds? That's the first question. Right. No. No chance. And then two is the other question: is how many times, whether you had sixty seconds or a million seconds, how many right. times could you keep it on your head? Right. In order, you know. We're gonna find There's out. Two factors. <laughs> all, right, in that well, one. all right. Well, can you peel an orange and do that <laughs> at the same time? All right, so that brings us to Take Back Tuesday. We are looking into our Loris Hall of Fame, and our crystal ball says what? We're doing John Mulholland? Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. All right. So John was the school's first All-American in cross-country. He captured consecutive NCAA individual titles in cross-country in 1961 and 1962. And the crazy thing is is that he actually didn't run cross-country until he got to college. Yeah, so he was nice. a track star in wow. high school, and then he then did track and field and cross-country once he got to Loris. Um, he is a top mid-distance runner. Mullen also helped the Duhawks dominate the Midlands Conference during the 1950s and early 1960s. Along his athletic honors, Mullen was voted the most outstanding member of his class in 1962. Man. All right. That's nuts. Yeah, that's And crazy. he was the first cross-country All-American for Loris, I think. Right? Did you say that? Yeah. Dang. That's nuts. That's cool. That's he'll cool. he'll that's always like, be the first. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. So here's another thing, actually. So on a whim, um, his freshman year, he decided to go out for basketball as well. And he... Uh, after the first practice, Doc, the coach at the time, took him aside and said, told him to forget about basketball and concentrate on running. <laughs> he oh, said funny. the big men in basketball would kill me, and I took his advice, and that was my one and only night of college basketball. <laughs> so, <laughs> he also was a college basketball player for practice. There you um, go. But, no, I mean, that's awesome that he hardly had any experience in cross country, and then he became a two-time individual champ. Yeah, that's nice. That's very rare. I yeah. feel like it's very rare. He yeah. definitely deserves his spot in the Hall of Fame. So that brings us to the part where we look into 1958. And well, we we got to mention I did this wrong last time. We did the year they were inducted, but that's not less fun oh, because yeah. the yeah. Hall of Fame only goes back to like the 80s. So we're gonna do the years that they played or okay. pick a year that they played. So what year? Yeah. 1958? So 1958 would have been his freshman year, um, and that will be what we'll look at. So. Gas price in 1958. Here we go. Ready for this? 30 cents <laughs> per gallon. 
Man. Um, And uh, world population. I I find it funny how they're so specific. Like... (laughs) To the person. Yeah, to the person. person. It's 2,925,686,705. Nice. I'm like, okay. But so that was five million? We had seven billion, seven point eight billion or something. Right now, it was, which was crazy because yeah. in nineteen ninety, what was it, nineteen eighty eight or eighty something? It was like five billion too. So like we've almost done twenty five percent, and it it stays the same throughout thirty years. And then in the last twenty years, we've gone up two billion. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Um, this makes me think, not necessarily like um, more of like our medicine and like our technology oh, yeah. like developing and the longer the age and like the longer like people are living. Yeah. Um, necessarily more than the amount of people that are like producing children. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely crazy looking back on the population. That's why it's fun to throw that in there yeah. for these uh, segments. Um, all right. Number one song on the radio, it would be at the top by Danny and the juniors. <laughs> I have not heard that song. Well, you're about to hear it right now. <laughs> it's a classic 1950s song. It's great. Just wait until you hear it. All right, that was at the top by Danny and the Juniors. Uh, going into the inventions, we have the microchip was invented in 1958. That's pretty crazy. That pretty much changed yeah. the game yeah, as far as nuts. technology goes. Um, NASA was formed in 1958. Um, the modem was invented in 1958. Okay. And then one funny one, the hula hoop. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. That is kind of cool. Yeah. Such a simple and to thing. To still think it like still is still like people buy hula hoops all the time. Yeah, like at the store. Yeah, it's like one like of those kids, one like of those iconic toys that like the yo-yo. It's like yeah. one of those things that just like will last forever. Yeah, that is nuts. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's our take back Tuesday. Now we're gonna go in, into questions from the fans. Oh, at, you know what? I actually forgot. We have what movies has Trent not seen? <laughs> um, Thought you guys would forget. No, no. I, well, I did. But now, <laughs> here we go. I have to think of one now. Uh, go ahead. Have you seen The Pacifier with Van Diesel? Van Diesel? Van no. Diesel. I don't think I have, though. Great film. What's What's that about? So he's uh, <laughs> he's like a Navy SEAL, and uh, this uh, father had been kidnapped, I believe, or um, he passed away, and like he has to protect this family. Um, and he has to, he ends up being like a babysitter for the family. Um, he like takes over. He's like this super military guy. These kids are like obnoxious. It's a single mom, um, trying to take care of it while she's also off with the military, trying to figure out all these different like problems and whatnot. And like, he, like they have these people, these spies, like trying to break into this house (laughs) because there's like a a Uh, secret, like, uh, flip drive in like the basement like covered by security huh. and like he's protecting the house protecting the kids while also protecting that drive yeah it's wild it's no, a it's I a definitely have family it's like a family movie definitely good to watch with the kids around um i speaking of uh 
Vin Diesel, have you seen the Chronicles of Riddick, the trilogy? <laughs> what? No. I have seen these. It is crazy that <laughs> what movies Nick yeah, comes up with. Where do you with. come up with well, these? Well, that's what we're reminded. Vin, this is Vin Diesel's best movie, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty good. It's a crazy movie. Well, all three are crazy. I've never even heard of it. Like, what are they? You, are they you, absol- you absolutely have to watch his action movie. Okay. It's like basically he goes to where he's like on some alien planet. The the best one is the second one, which is the Chronicles of Riddick. Wow, and, that's very uh, surprising to have the second one be the best out of a trilogy. Yeah, yeah, it's rare. I feel like, but I think universally it's considered the best because he's like he gets caught in some sort of jail and he has to break out of it and he has to break out of this planet while it's like uh, uh, going through <laughs> some sort of uh, I don't know collapse. But it's it's a crazy movie. You huh. need to watch it. All right. So now that brings us to questions from the fans. What do we got here? All Charles? right. First question, kind of fun. Favorite childhood TV show? Go ahead, Nick. All right. I had a lot. I remember specifically waking up. I, I was a morning person mm-hmm. as a child, so I'd wake up at like 5.30. I had a routine. I'd wake up at 5.30, go knock on my parents' door. Knew they wouldn't be up, but I had to knock anyway. <laughs> so are you waking up? They'd be like, no. I'd be like, okay. Go downstairs, <laughs> pop on the first show, watch like three, four episodes, go back upstairs, see if they're awake again. Um, but Dragon Ball Z, I would say, was oh, okay. definitely uh, probably took over as my favorite show for a while when I was younger. Um, but like I said, there was a lot. Uh, that's the one that stands out to me the most. Um, mine was Rocket Power. Dang, you took <laughs> mine. Uh, that's a really good one. Uh, that was mine. So mine was Rocket Power, and then I had an obsession with Sandlot. So, like, okay. I know it's not, like, a TV show, yeah. but, like, no, like... I watched it like three times a day. <laughs> <laughs> like if they needed me, like my babysitters, like if I was like, if they wanted me to just sit there, they would throw on Sandlot and I would just sit on the couch. <laughs> I don't know what That's it was, good. but I could quote that. And like, even like when I was like young, young, I would, you just see me just go forever. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. Time. I have to say rocket power would probably be my one choice. Um, I'm trying to think of even when I was like super young, like, Dragon Tales. I don't know Dragon if Tales, and then mine was Clifford the Big Red Dog. See, I wasn't a big Clifford guy. I, was I more had never Dragon watched Tales. That, yeah. um, but also Rugrats. Ooh, Rugrats, Rugrats, Rugrats and then Rugrats Outside guy. the Box. Oh, yeah. No, Out of the Box. Out of the Box. Out of never the watched box. that either. Out of the Box. That's past my time. <laughs> yeah, you're too old for us. <laughs> Actually, Demi Lovato was on uh, Out of the Box. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't know that. What was... Uh, Oh, Blues Clues. I was thinking of Blues Clues. Blues Clues was good. I liked that when I was younger. Man, good good show. That you know what? That's Simpler a su- that is a superpower I wish I had. What? To look at like a painting and be able to jump into it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he did, didn't he? God, yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah. But how many paintings are you like? Oh, dude, there's some nowadays. cool paintings out there. There's yeah, some wild ones. Yeah. You want to jump into it? have like that that's your one superpower. Well, it I would mean, be cool. <laughs> I wouldn't choose it as my one and only. But, but that would be sweet now that you think about it. Because I mean, you, you go. I mean, pictures. I would say pictures. That, well, I guess that's included. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, yeah. Could you imagine just being like vacation? Would just be like, all right, I'm gonna hop in this picture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's kind of like the suitcase question or the pocket yeah, question. Right. Can, right. All right. That's a good one. That's a good. One. All right. Next one. What uh, products have you purchased from, like, targeted ads or infomercials? In, uh, we have to say, we talked about this off air a little bit. Um, the Instagram gets us the most, at yeah, least our Instagram generation. Yeah, Instagram ads give me a ton. 
I it's know. they do a good job of just capturing your attention just with that picture and and cool I, video I, yeah, or something. Yeah. Mine was like that face mask or whatever that like also was like a, a sw- that I wear for like sweat headbands. It's like SA. Um, like they use it. Like, a bunch of like fishers use it. Like oh, some of oh, the, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. like it's like a sleeve. It's like a stretchy sleeve. That right. You put it on your face. Yeah. yeah what does it that. do? So I mean, it's, it's like, like a windshield. It's a windshield like, that oh. helps. Like I use it as a sweatband. And, like, they got some crazy designs. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. I never saw that. Might have bought it. Uh, Bird dog shorts. They always get me. (laughs) I have. They always get me with the, uh, we stole another idea from Lululemon. That's their (laughs) caption. (laughs) Mine was, uh, yeah, I actually saw one of those the other day, but I I didn't click on it. And then mine were, uh, I think, targeted by Barstool, some, like, Hawaiian swim trunks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um... Mine, I think, well, Bird Dogs has gotten me. Um, also, Muggsy Jeans. Muggsy Jeans. Has I've seen me too. those, yeah. I've, they I've are thought the about most it. comfortable jeans ever. I've I love those. About it. Are those the ones you went hiking in the other day? Yes. Super <laughs> stretchy. I put yeah. them in the wash, now they're clean. Oh, speaking of which, we actually haven't talked about this, have, they, have we? We haven't talked about this <laughs> no, on air. Oh, no. We Cole should. and I took Trent out hiking. Um, not It wasn't this most recent weekend, but the weekend before. And keep in mind, this is we followed, February. Yeah, we followed the local, by the way. O'Brien Nugent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who took but us the back way. He, he, he let us up some. All right. Trent's one one thing was, hey, I don't want to climb on any rocks. I don't want to do any climbing. I'm here to take pictures. Um, My so. rule was no hands and feet climbing. Like, I did not want to have to use both at the same time. <laughs> and within the first five minutes, <laughs> we were. That was the first thing we did. Like, all right, just this one part. Just this one part. Come on, you can get past it. Um but no, that was a lot of fun. But it was a lot harder because we didn't anticipate the ground to be like full of ice. It was literally because it was a kind ice. of a nice day, yeah. which is why we went there. Um, and it was all icy and and muddy somehow both. Um, and uh, great yeah. views, great pictures. I mean, yeah, it was it was fun, and I don't I wasn't like mad that we did it. It was just the fact that like literally <laughs> the one thing I said I didn't want to do, we did like within <laughs> yeah. five minutes of being there. And you were in jeans, so that's what reminded <laughs> yeah, me of yeah. that. Yeah. That's funny. All right, what's the final right, question here? Last question. Um, so it's it's I don't it's hard to question the word. Um, I want you to give advice to a student who is on the fence of going either Division three or Division one. Yeah, so this is a good question, um, and it's definitely something that I've thought about a lot and talked with people about a lot because it is a tough decision because there are benefits to doing either one um but obviously like since i've been with a division three school for a few years now i have an understanding of the true benefits of coming to division three and i I would i could go on and on about uh, a lot of different reasons but i think probably the the most the reason that i would use the most if you're just looking at a competitive standpoint is the fact that um as a good swimmer you will be able to go to nationals at the Division three level. And that's just going to be more fun. You're just going to go and compete at the national stage across the, uh, against the best swimmers in the country. You could become an All-American. Uh, you get to represent your school. Um, I think that's just a lot more fun to be had if you're a big fish uh, in a smaller pond um, versus going Division one and – you know, being part of a, a big program, but not necessarily being able to make it to the national stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of bouncing off that, um, I think that the Division Three level would honestly surprise 
about 80% of the Division One field. Um, I don't. Yeah. I think even more, honestly. I think that for the most part, ninety um, percent of Division One athletes would not necessarily wouldn't run away in, with the Division Three uh, athletics um, in different like. So I, I think they kind of see Division Three and they're like, uh, sometimes. Um, but I, I truly, honestly, like if you were to take the top elite athletes at the Division Three level, they would stack up well and compete at Division One mm-hmm. level. Um, but again, it's like what Nick said, um, being at that level making it more enjoyable. And it's not even necessarily the athletic side of things. Um, it's the school side of things going to those for the most parts. Um, there's the division three levels are, you're going to be your smaller class sizes. So honestly, focusing on more of that academic side and be able to be a student athlete, um, is huge. Um, because I think the statistics show that only like one, it's like, 2% 2% of the people that play high school athletics, let alone college athletics, actually mm-hmm. make it to the professional level. Yeah. Um, that are you setting yourself up for your future? Mm-hmm. Like, I understand that you might be able to make some connections, but like, where are you going to get your best education? How are you going to set yourself up? And I'm, I would stack up um, both the institutions that I've been a part of. I'd stack up Millican's education. I would stack up Loris's education against anybody's in the nation. So, I mean, getting that quality education while being in competitive sports, I mean, I don't know how you can necessarily beat the Division three level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know for a fact that the top D3 swimming schools will swim against D1 schools pretty regularly, and uh, half the time they're beating the D1 schools. Um, so at least in the sport of swimming, uh, the bottom of D1 and the top of D3, they blend together pretty well. I mean, I wouldn't even say blend. I know my team at Milliken uh, played against a couple of Division ones, and I know Illinois Wesleyan is going to ISUs this spring, and I don't think that they are necessarily going to be at the bottom of that tournament. I think that Illinois Wesleyan's team that they've got uh, this year, now granted they're ranked number one and two or two in the country, they will compete at that. They will beat, if not, I mean, they'll be in the top five. I, right. I won't guarantee right. it, but they will compete at the Division one tournament. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess to answer the question, my advice to you would be to really truly look at what you think will be the best for you as far as what are you trying to get out of it. If you're trying to uh, just do it for, and I'm not trying to disrespect Division One at all, but if you're doing it for kind of the clout, maybe then Division One is the route for you. But if you're doing it for what you think will be the most fun and most rewarding for you, I would say probably Division Three would be the move. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing. When you're 20 years down the road, is it going to be just the verbiage of it, of saying, hey, I was a two-time national qualifier, two-time All-American, or, and, I mean, people at that time don't even think what division you were in, or, yeah, I went to blah, blah, blah school. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And what was your record? Oh, we, we got last in our conference. Yeah. And I went through that a little bit. Not that I was like a huge Division One prospect, but I talked to d- small Division One schools. I mean, University of Dayton called me, um, and for me, like that, my final decision was I would rather go in and try and compete for a starting spot from freshman year. You mm-hmm. know, um, and I knew if I went to University of Dayton that I would probably not see the field until possibly junior se- year, maybe even right. senior year. Um, and I wanted a smaller school in the first place, so it's 
it's kind of, I mean, it, it really is. It's personal preference, but I think the, your opportunities are are extremely larger at the Division three schools um, when you have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in a sport like football where it's so competitive for starting spots, no matter oh, what yeah. team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, and then, I mean, I could talk, well, I mean, about Division three yeah. all day. Um and the pluses and minuses. I mean, and it doesn't just stop at your sport. You're a student athlete. Like, yeah. you have outside, you know people in your classroom. You're not on a bus. You're not playing just your sport. I mean, you're in your community. You're in your city, wherever you're at, mm-hmm. and you're involved. Like, yep. you're not just an, an athlete. So, yep. But that's all the questions that we had for today. Um, if you have any more questions, you could uh, shoot us a DM on Twitter at Loris Podcasts. Um, we'd love to hear from you. All right, that brings us to our final piece, Dad Joke of the Week. <laughs> if Forrest Gump were to have a password, what would it be? One, Forrest, one. Oh, man. You have to have watched the movie to, yeah, to get that joke. Oh, oh. <laughs> You just asked me that I question know, last week. I know. I don't know why, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Trent just looks so confused with that So joke. he says, like, it's run, Forrest, run. Yeah. But, like, obviously, in a password, if you need it for, like, Google, you need a... Like a number, so one, four is one. <laughs> All right, that wraps it up this week. Catch you next week. Thanks for listening to me.